Okay, we're starting here on the top of Ahmed Ben Ahmed Aleph. Umar begins, Amr Rabbi Chama Rabbi Chanina. Tomolish Losh Mikraota Lalu. We're not for these brief sukim. Nitmotatu Raglehem Shosone Israel. Here again, it's a euphemism, Sone Israel, but means really B'nai Israel themselves. That without these brief sukim, we'd have no defense in the face of the Yom Adin. So it's timely that we're doing this Gemara. Chad Dichtiv Vasher Hereoti, which was the puzzle that we brought before from Micho on the last piece of the Gemara. And then the next one is Vachad Dichtiv. Would also be familiar from the davening on the Yamim Noraim, which is Bnei Israel, you are in my hands, like the clay is in the hands of the potter. And the last one, which is from Yechezkel, that I will take away the heart of stone that you have, and and I will give you a heart of flesh. And my papa suggests from here, that I will place my spirit within you, and I will make sure or ensure that you follow in my ways. Now all these pesukim indicate some sort of fatal flaw in the human condition. And that fatal flaw in the human condition makes it that we sin, that we're choteh. And so what the Gemara is pointing out is that without that excuse, we would have no way to face a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Because it wasn't for the fact that we were human and frail, and we had these issues, the Yitzhahara gets the better of us, then we'd really have no excuse when we came to the Yom Adin as to why we didn't keep the Mitzvah Hashem. So at least what these Sukim indicate are that there is some sort of frailty within the human being. And that frailty is what causes us to sin. But then obviously you have to ask the question, which is, if that's the case, then what din is there? If we say that the whole reason that we sin is because we're human, then when we come to the din, what is Hashem asking from us? So the answer is the other side of the coin, which is that we do have the ability to succeed and to be mikadish shem shemayim. We do have the positive side. So this is talking about the negative, where we sin. On the positive side, we do have the ability to do good. And we're to brought to din, not necessarily on what we did wrong, but what we didn't do well, or we didn't do right. And that we should, we have to try harder not to only not sin, but also to do more in the way of good. Amar Rabbi Lazar, Moshe Moshe spoke, we would say it in an inappropriate way, towards a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Shnemar Moshe Hashem. Says Moshe prays to Hashem. Altikra El Hashem. Don't say to Hashem, but rather al Hashem. So this is similar to the drush that we had yesterday with Chana. The difference by Chana is it actually says al Hashem there. Over here the Gemara is imposing on this that instead of reading it as el Hashem, to Hashem, but rather al Hashem, on Hashem, on Hashem being in a manner that a sense of being greater than Hashem and speaking to Him in a manner that wouldn't necessarily be appropriate. Why do we do that? Shekain, the Bey Rabbi Leezer ben Yaakov, the Beis Medjish. Rabbi Leezer ben Yaakov, calling the Alfin, Ayinin, or the Ayinin, Alfin. They exchange Ayin and Aleph, Aleph and Ayin. So over here, it would have been an L with an Aleph. They exchange it for an Ayin. This is somewhat difficult. If you look in the Aleph of the Bach, you can see this. The Bach points out here, this is only... For drushes. But that's not true of Albatfila Isuraika. But when you're davening, that is unacceptable. I mean that one of the things that we demand of you when you daven is to pronounce the words correctly and to differentiate. One of the things we ask you to differentiate is between an aleph and an ayin. Today we're not so good at that, but that's one of the things that in Kriyachma you're supposed to do is make sure that you differentiate between an aleph and an ayin. So the Bach points out this is clearly only an issue of drusha. This is not saying that aleph and ayin are interchangeable in other instances. 
He said from here, V'dizahav. The beginning of Moshe's speech, in the beginning of Devarim, he lists all the places that supposedly they traveled. One of the places that he enumerates there is Dizahav. There is no place Dizahav, and Israel never ended up in a place of Dizahav. There Rashi notes the Medjush Chazal, which is that Moshe was castigating the people for all the locations in which they had sinned. And Dizahav is one of those places, referencing the Maseha Egel. Maseha Egel, which was made out of gold. So from that, my Dizahav. I'm ready to be Rabbi Yana, the Beit Midrash of Rabbi Yana. They said, Kachamar Moshelefnei HaKadosh Bochu. She says, Bor Hashem, Bibon HaSholam, Bishil Kesef, Vizahav, Shishpata Lehem Yisrael. Because of the gold and silver, that you gave in abundance to Kla Yisrael, Adsham Rudai, until the point where they said, it's enough, we don't need any more. Hu Garam Shasuat Egel. That's what caused them to make the Egel. That's the other Midrash that we know after Kriyat Yamsuf. It says there that Yamsuf spit up the Mitzrim on the side that B'nai Israel were, and all their gold and silver came out, and B'nai Israel were collecting it over there. So because they became enriched, and they actually had just too much, they ended up causing them to sin. And that's Moshe Rabbeinu's point, is that Hashem, you really were the cause of their sin. They sinned in Egel Azav, but that became about because of the abundance of gold that they had gotten from the booty of Mitzrayim. The lion doesn't roar when he gets fed grain. But when he gets meat, then he starts to roar. So you don't, you don't get excited. Nothing happens when things are just normal. It's when things are unusual that everybody gets excited for the lion. It's when he's satisfied, when he gets what he wants. He gets meat, then he starts to roar. So too, the human being, or B'nai Israel in this instance, when they got too much Zahav, they end up misusing it. Then they start to do things that are inappropriate. Had this weak cow, who had a certain amount of heft to it. And then he starts feeding it Karshinim, which is better than its normal feed. And then it starts rejecting him. I mean, Mevetet means a little, means to kick. But the mirror means that he starts to walk away. Until now, the cow was on a normal diet or his regular diet. All of a sudden, he starts to give him a little more expensive food. And the cow feels a certain sense of entitlement. And he starts to reject his owner. What's causing you? The owner says to the cow, what's causing you to reject me, to rebel against me? It's what I'm feeding you. The better feed that I'm giving you. It's what's causing the problem. Took care of his son. He bathes him, anoints him, feeds him, and gives him to drink. And he gives him a wallet that he hangs, a money pouch that he hangs around his neck. And then he puts him right outside the house of harlots. You put him in a position where it's almost impossible for him to resist the temptation. The same thing, that's as Moshe's claim to Akash Baruch Hu, that B'nai Israel were put in a position where it was almost impossible that they were going to come out okay. The fact that they had all this booty, they just left Mitzrayim, they were used to worshipping Avodah Zarah, and now they have in their possession the ability to do such a thing, that's how they ended up with the Egel Azav. That's what people say, Full belly ends up in bad. And when a person is satisfied and full, they don't end up in the right place. Shneamar, because it says in the Pasuk in Oshea, Kimaritam Vaizbau, that when they went out to pasture, Vaizbau, and they became satisfied, satiated, Sabu, in their satisfaction, Vayaram, Libam, their hearts became haughty, 
Akain Shechechuni, and therefore they forgot me. Now the Gemara will bring numerous psukim that are found in Dvarim that reiterate this fact, which Rav Nachman Amar Mihocha, Baram Levavecha, Shechachta Tashem Lokecha, that your heart will become hori and you will forget Hashem. That is in the context in Dvarim, it's in the context of Ve'achalta, Ve'savata, Uve'rachta Tashem Lokecha, and then afterwards it speaks about the challenge of being Ve'savata, that you'll be satisfied, is that Hashem will give you all the good, and then you'll forget that Ki Hashem that God is the one who enabled you to make all of this wealth, and you're going to go ahead, and then you'll become haughty, and you'll reject Hashem. Out of that satisfaction, out of that wealth, you reject Hashem. Rabbanan says from this Pasuk, which is Vachal, V'savav Dashain, later on, in Sefer Devarim, we'll be coming up to it, in Parshat Vayelech, it says Vachal, they ate v'sava, they were satisfied with dashain, and they became fat, ufana, and then they turned away from Hashem. So the continuum is always the same, which is, there's a certain sense of satisfaction, and that sense of satisfaction is what drives the person to leave Hashem. That he became fat, Yishurun referring to Bnei Yisrael, they became fat, vayivat, again the same word of bo'et, to kick away, to reject Hashem, they rebelled against Hashem. Some Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Am Rabbi Yonatan, Minayin Shechad Azar Hakadosh Baruch Hu Behodelo to Moshe. How do we know that Hashem accepted Moshe's claim over here? Because Shneimar, Pasuk says in Moshe, "Vekesef Yerbeiti La Vizahav." I gave them lots of silver and gold. Asuba Baal, and they went off and worshipped the Baal. So obviously this isn't referring to the Igel Azahav, but it's referring to the time of Oshea where Bnei Yisrael, because of all the wealth and all the goodness that Hashem bestowed upon them, they went ahead and asuda Baal. They went ahead and rejected Hashem and worshipped the Baal, which was the ring, the Canaanite ring god at the time. We see that Hashem acknowledges the fact that the wealth is what causes them to go off the path and to worship Abu Zarah. One of the important factors here, I'll just note it in passing because we are in Masechet Brachot, the Pasuk of Ram Levavecha, Shechat Hashem Lokecha, is found in that context, and that the Torah, in order to preempt that problem, uses the world of brachot as an antidote to this problem of becoming satisfied and wealthy and rejecting Hashem. Because the bracha, and that's the only real bracha in the Torah, which is, is the bracha on benching. The Gemara here notes that maybe Birkat Torah is also in the Torah, but other than that, benching is the only bracha in the Torah. And the world of brachot which also the Rabbanan later added to Bracha Rishona, and we'll get to that in the sixth parak. The world of Brachot is an antidote to this problem of becoming satisfied. What does the person think? That I made this wealth. I did all of this, and that's why they reject Hashem. The idea of a Bracha is an acknowledgement that I didn't do this, but rather Hashem did this. And that's always the Bracha beforehand, the Bracha afterwards is recognizing that nothing belongs to me until I make a Bracha Rishona. We'll see that in the sixth parak that it's stealing to take something or to eat something without making a bracha to Hashem. Also afterwards, after I'm satisfied that I give thanks to Hashem, all of these come from the word modeh, to give thanks, but the word modeh is also to admit. And when someone thanks, it's also an admission that you need someone else or that you acknowledge someone else. So the world of brachot, in a sense, is an antidote to this problem of becoming satiated, fat, and happy, and then rejecting Hashem. So now the Gemara continues to Darshan with regards to the Egel, which is Vayidaber Hashem Moshe Lechreid. After Bnei Israel make the Egel, and Moshe is up on the mountain receiving the Torah, Hashem says to Moshe, Lech Reid, go down. My Lech Reid, what does that mean? 
So Amr Abelaz, Amr Abelaz, Kodesh Baruch Moshe, Moshe Reid, Megdulatcha. Your greatness, your stature has been diminished now. The only reason that you have this stature is because of Bnei Yisrael. So then, if Bnei Yisrael sinned, what do I need you for? In that your standing, your stature is only in relation to Bnei Yisrael's worship of Hashem. Now that they've rejected me, then what's the purpose of having you? Moshe was weakened then. And he had no ability to speak. He, he was speechless. He came in Shamar, but then Hashem continued and says, Leave me alone, and I will destroy them. I know it's all in my hands now. He stood up, He got strong, or strengthened himself in prayer, and asked for forgiveness for Bnei Yisrael, for mercy on Bnei Yisrael. It's like a king, that was angry at his son, and he was beating him up, whipping him. And the king's confidant was sitting next to him. He didn't want to intercede over here. He realizes the king, the father, is angry. And he doesn't see his place to enter in and to save the son. Then the king looks up for a second and he says, If it wasn't for my confidant that's sitting here, I would have killed you. So what do you see? He is acknowledging the presence of his confidant. Samar He realizes all of a sudden the king is acknowledging his presence, and therefore Miyada Mad He stands in there, he says to the king, Alright, alright, it's enough. He can stand in there and protect him. So so too over here. Moshe realizes when God says, Leave me, leave me alone, he knows that that means a window or an opportunity for Moshe to bother him and not leave him alone. So Moshe takes that window of opportunity and intercedes on behalf of Bnei Yisrael. So you leave me alone, let me get angry, I will destroy them, and I'll make you Moshe into a great nation. Had it not been written explicitly in the Pasuk, you would never have had the confidence to say such a thing. When you want to make sure somebody's listening, you grab them by the collar, you pull them close, and you speak to them. So that's the same way over here. Moshe grabs a hold of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know, figuratively. I'm not going to leave here until you forgive them and you wipe out their sin. It says, I'll make you into a great nation. A stool, a three-legged stool, cannot stand before you. When you get angry, a stool on one leg certainly will not stand before you. So Moshe is referring to the fact that Bnei Israel are spun, or the product of the three forefathers, and that stool is not standing. God's willing to destroy all of Bnei Israel, even with the schut avot, even with Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. And what is the offering? He's offering Moshe that I'll restart the nation. You will be the continuum and I'll start it in your merit. Moshe says, I had the four, three forefathers can't stop you. What's going to happen to the generations after me? What type of schut do I have that can compete with the forefathers? Says, I'm going to be a little embarrassed. I'm going to be embarrassed to come up before Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are going to say to me, listen, what'd you do? We had our nation, and we made you the leader of the nation, and look what you did. You dumped the nation, and you took it all for yourself. I'm not going to be able to face Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov in that situation. 
right, technically, right, that's what Hashem says, that the continuum will go through Moshe. But obviously that means that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were not sufficient to keep the entirety of Bnei Sos. Chutavot does not stand over here, and that it, Hashem says, I'll destroy them and leave you. But this Chutavot is not, not only to keep Moshe alive, it should help Bnei Sos as a whole. Vayichal Moshe et Bnei Hashem. Moshe beseeches Hashem. Marablazer, Melamed, Shemad Moshe betfilah v'nei Kodesh Baruch Hu, Ad Shechileyu. Moshe stands in davening before Hashem until Hechileyu. So Rashi says, Hiptzirbo. Shechileyu means that he pressed on him very hard. They can have a number of interpretations here. Echileu could mean that he made him weak, he weakened him, he made him sick. Or Echileu means from Hechel Negev, meaning that to begin, to start. I mean that until a Kodesh Baruch Hu gave in and started to acquiesce to Moshe's tefillah. Rova Amar, and the other, the Gears of is Rav, Amar, Ad Shefer Lo Nidrol. Until he annulled the neder, the vow that he had taken. It's written here by Moshe Vayichal, which the literal translation is to beseech Hashem. Vayichal can also come from the word chulin, which is to nullify or to profane. It says when a person takes a neder, lo yechel devaro means that he should not profane his word, he should not nullify his word. You have to keep your word. You take a vow, you have to keep your word. So from here, that's the hint to the fact that there is hatarat nidarim. Hatarat means that someone on the outside can be matir your neder. We know that the Tamar Chocham or Shlosh Hejotot, that three lay people who make up a beitin can be matir the neder. Under certain circumstances, see in the Gemara Nidarim, but what you do see here is that a person cannot free themselves from their neder, but an outside party can't help them to be matir their neder. And so the same is over here. Kodesh Baruch Hu couldn't free himself from his own vow, but Moshe Rabbeinu Kilu is matir neder for Kodesh Baruch Hu. And that's what it means, Vayichal over here. Vayichal means that he's matir Hashem's neder to destroy B'nai Shev, B'chalein. Shmuel Amar Malameid, Shemasar Etzmol Mitalehem. The Moshe basically puts his life on the line on behalf of B'nai Shev, Shemar, B'mayin Echeni Nami Sifricha. If you don't forgive B'nai Shev, wipe me out from your book. Moshe rejects Hashem's offer to make him into a great nation and says, basically, I'm going to go down with the ship. I'm the captain of the ship. I'm going down with the ship. And he says, I will not do that. If you're going to let Ben Israel go, I'm going with them. And obviously that leaves Hashem in a very difficult predicament because then he can't keep the, as Tzvi said before, the promise to the Avot to have Ben Israel enter into Eretz Israel. That God began to act towards Bnei Israel with mercy. It is profane, something that would be inappropriate for you to do, Now the Gemara will explain. Then Moshe stood in prayer before Kodesh Baruch Hu until he was overtaken, overcome by Achilu. My Achilu. What is this Achilu? I'm Rabbi Lazar. Eish shalatzamot. Fire in the bones. My Eish shalatzamot. So what is that? I'm Rabbi. Eshta de Garmi. Anyway, it's just the Aramaic translation, which is Garmi in Aramaic is bones. Eshta in Aramaic is fire in the bones. Which be it was feverish. He had become sickened over the tefillah that he was beseeching Hashem to forgive Bnei Israel. Zechor Avram Yitzchak Uli Israel Avadecha Shenishbat Alehem Bach 
מי בך? אמר רבי אלעזר, אמר משה לפני הקודש ברוך הוא, ריבונו שלם, אלמלא נשבעת להם בשמיים וארץ, had you taken your oath, your vow to the avot, by the heavens and earth, I demer, כשם שמיים וארץ בטלים, eventually the heavens and earth will disappear, כך שבועתך בטלה. So too, maybe your promise to them will also be nullified. ועכשיו, שנשבעת להם בשמך הגדול, but here that you promised them with your own name, just like your name is forever, your promise to the Avot will not be nullified. If that's the case, you need to keep your promise to the Avot to take care of B'nai Sion, to bring them into Eretz Yisrael. He said to them, I will increase your numbers like the stars of the heaven. In this land, Asher Marti. Hi, Asher Marti. What do you mean, Asher Marti? Asher Marta. Moshe is quoting God. In quoting God, he's saying what you said to the Avot. What was the promise that you made to the forefathers? If you're quoting someone, then it should say, Asher Marta. You, God said. Not Asher Marti that Moshe said. Moshe never said such a thing. So, Asher Marta mi That's what it should say. Amar Abelazar, Adkan divrei tamid. Bikan ve'elef divrei arav. That this pasuk, you actually have to parse it. The first half of the Pasuk is said by Moshe. The second half of the Pasuk is said by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Which is that until the point of is said by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe begins the Pasuk. It's as if Hashem finishes up. And says, It's like he's finishing Moshe's sentence. He's acknowledging the promise that he made. Like Moshe starts it, and then Hashem finishes and acknowledges that promise. Rabbi Shmuel Ben Achmeni Amar, Eilu ve'eilu divrei tamid. No, all of this was said by Moshe Rabbeinu. Al-Kach Amar Moshe Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ribono Sholam, Dvarim Shamarta Li, Lech Emor Lahem Li Yisrael Bishmi. This is going back to Moshe's appointment as the leader of Bnei Yisrael by the Sneh. And by the Sneh, Hashem tells Moshe to go speak to Bnei Yisrael and tell him over in his name exactly this, that I am the Shem of your forefathers, and I'm going to take you out of Mitzrayim, I'm going to take you to Eretz Canaan. So you put me into service, in your service, and you told me to tell them this. And I said it over in your name. Now what am I going to say to them? I'm going to look like a liar. You appointed me to be the leader. You told me to say to them, I'm going to take you out of Mitzrayim, take you into Eretz Yisrael. And now what am I going to tell them? God really didn't say that or he really didn't mean that? That God did not have the ability to take Bnei Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael. What does it mean in the female formulation of Yecholet? It should be Yechol. So Moshe that you now become weak like a female, and you cannot save B'nai Israel. All of the nations saw what I did on the Yamsuf. All the miracles, I split them the Yamsuf, I took care of them. What's the question that I can't do this? I can do anything I want. People strive out to say, the Melech you can stand up against one king. The Shloshim ve'achai Melachim coming to the 31 kings who resided in Eretz Canaan, any Ocholamod, he couldn't stand up to them. Meaning that to fight one king, that's easy. Fight 31 kings, that's impossible. And because God saw that he was not going to be able to satisfy the promise that he had made to take them into Eretz Canaan, he kills them on the way because he couldn't do it. Anyway, it's just another part of human psychology that even though Kodesh Brachla did all those things Aliyam, that if a person finds a way out, finds a little something to say, ah, see, he didn't do it, 
They'll say that, even though logically it doesn't make sense, and it's clear that God has control over nature, nevertheless, if they find some sort of way to, to explain it, they will do that. And that's the psychology of a person, that if they can somehow explain it so that they do not have to take responsibility, they will do that. In order to abdicate responsibility, people will find the most unbelievable explanations. And the same thing here. Even though God had done all that He did in the Yom, if you give them this little out, they'll explain it this way, and they will feel that they have no responsibility to God or to acknowledge God. How do we know that God acquiesces to Moshe's claim, agrees to Moshe? So what does it mean, Kidvarecha? Tani de Rabbi Yishmael, Kidvarecha. He says, just like what you said, Atidim in the future, the nations of the world will say this. So Ashrei Talmid, Shabo Modelo, praised is the Talmid, or happy is the Talmid, who is Rebbe admits to him or agrees to his position. Bulam Chayani. So now Hashem makes a promise. Amar Rav, Amar Rav Yitzchak, Malamei Shemarlo Kodesh Baruch Hu Moshe, Moshe Hechiatani Bidvarecha. You brought me back to life with your words. So over here, in the Pasuk means, Ulam Chayani, Hashem makes a promise. But why does he use the terminology of Chai, that I'm alive? To say it's a kilo, could be a whole, that you brought me back to life. You gave me the ability to continue and not destroy B'nai Yisrael. Dara Shabi Simlai. The Ulam, he said, Adam person should first lay out the praise of Hashem, and then only afterwards, Yitpalel, Yitpalel, here we'll see in the Gemara, means to... Not daven, like we say in the broader sense, but Yit Palel is when a person is Shoel Tzorachav, when a person asks for his needs. So person should first lay out his praise of Hashem, and only afterwards ask for his needs. Minolam Moshe. Moshe sets the Zag, Dichtiv, Vetchanan al-Hashem be'itahi. To Hashem, when Moshe begs Hashem, comes before Hashem, and pleads for him to let him to go into Eretz Yisrael, he begins this tefillah, Dichtiv, Hashem, Elukim, Atah, Echiloto, Larot, Et Abdecha, Et Godocha, Et Yodcha, Chazaka, First, Moshe lays out his praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You began to show your servant, Moshe, your greatness, your strong arm. There is no God like you in the heavens above and the earth below that can do like you and has as strong as you. And he's also referencing back to what happened with Sichon and Og. The fact that Hashem already had demonstrated his ability to have Bnei Yisrael conquer. And then finally, after he's given that introduction, Moshe comes and says, Then he makes his request to go into the land of Israel. So the request only comes after he first gives Shevach before Kodesh Baruch Hu. Again, the same paradigm that we have by our tefillah. In our tefillah we do Shevach, the Shlosh of Shevach, we have the three first brachot, which are praise of Kodesh Baruch Hu. And then only then do we, we have the middle brachot, where we come and beseech Hashem for our own needs. Davening is greater than good deeds. There's no one greater in good deeds than Moshe Rabbeinu. Yet, he's only answered through Tfilah to Hashem. Shinemar, Altosef Says, stop speaking to me. And then he says to him afterwards, Alei Rosh go up to the top of the mountain that he's going to show Moshe. Meaning that Hashem told him to stop davening, because if he continued to daven, he would have to give in. He would have to agree to Moshe's request. So the fact that he stopped him from davening shows you that the power of tefillah, his Masim Tovim didn't do this. Now, right, it's difficult in the Pshat of Sukim, because the way Rashi is explaining it, He's saying, oh, that I agreed to your request, and I'm going to show you the land. 
Moshe doesn't, when Moshe says, show me the land, he means, right, he said, I want to go into the land. That's why I explained it the other way. Right, Moshe, but the way Rashi reads is if Hashem acquiesced to the tefillah, which I don't think is what happened over here. The Chazal say about also Toberi line means stop speaking to me because if you continue, I will have to acquiesce. So I'm explaining it based on that Midrash Chazal that Moshe would have gotten his request had he continued. So you see, tefillah was powerful enough to get him that which he wanted. Tosvod points out over here, below tefillah. That obviously, when we're comparing here, we're saying that tefillah is greater just to good deeds without tefillah. Obviously, good deeds with tefillah is the greater of all. A fast is greater than the giving of charity. My time. What's the reason for this? One of them is your bodily giving before Hashem, fasting. And that's the Ribono Shololam that we say, it's mentioned before in the Gemara, that on a fast day, at the end of Shmon Esed, you mentioned that in the time of Beit HaMikdash, we were able to bring Karbanot. We don't have Karbanot, instead we're fasting. And my fat and my blood have been diminished, meaning that I've taken up my own blood and flesh here and given to you Hashem by fasting. So here it's, I'm presenting myself as if, as if I'm presenting myself before a Kodesh Baruch Hu in the fast. Zebimono, and that's with charity. The Gemara mentions this in another context, but also which is the comparison between tzedakah and chesed. Chesed is bigufo. Doing chesed for someone else is when you do it yourself, you actively and participate in doing the chesed, versus tzedakah, which is charity. And there the Gemara also says the same thing, which is that acts of chesed are significantly greater than acts of tzedakah. Tzedakah already puts one at a step removed from engaging in the chesed. It's an enabler, but it's not doing the chesed itself. And the same thing over here. The act of tzedakah allows one to come before Hashem and ask for forgiveness. But the fasting is when the person themselves comes before Hashem, presents themselves before Hashem, Baruch and asks for forgiveness. Ramar, Rabbi Lazar, G'dolah tefillah, yoter min ha-karbanot. Tefillah is even greater than karbanot. Shenemar, Pesach says, Nishayahu, this is the Haftorah for Shabbat Chazon. It's the first parak in Yishayahu. Lamedi rov zivcheichem. Hashem says, well, I don't need all your karbonot. I don't want anything that you're bringing because all of that you have done. Now afterwards, what it says, all that you've done is all these acts between Ben Adam Mechaviro. You're not treating others right. I don't want your karbonot. I'm not interested in your karbonot anymore. Then afterwards, later on in the Psukim, it says, When you open up your hands, meaning that you prayed before me, it says over there that Hashem will not listen. It says, when you open up your hands in prayer before God, God will not listen. Rabbi Yochanan, and then Rabbi Yochanan Darshan is the last part, end of that pasuk. The reason God says, when you raise your hands before me, I will not listen is because, Yadechem damim meleyu. Your hands are covered in blood. You have blood on your hands. So I'm not interested in your tefillot if you're coming before me and you don't behave in a proper manner. That you are persecuting the helpless and you are not taking care of ben adam lechaviro. I'm not interested in those hands that do injustice. I'm not interested in having them come and pray before me. But what do you see? That the Navi in Ishayahu first says, I don't want your carbonate. And even after he says, I don't want your carbonate, he says, I'm not going to listen to your tefillot. So that indicates a hierarchy. First he rejects the carbonate. But even after the carbonate are rejected, he still says that tefillah might have worked. And God rejects tefillah on top of that, of the carbonate. Then Rabbi Yochanan darshins on this, the pasuk of Yedichem Tamim Leyu. It's a very, very stark and difficult drasha. and has major implications in Alocha, which is, I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Kohen, Shiragat Nefesh, Lo Kapav. Any Kohen who has killed, 
Meinat Duchen. Meinat go up before the Duchen and be Sad Kabab. Shinamar. Because of the puzzle that we just quoted, Dechem Damimaleu. Their hands are in covered in blood. So the idea of Paris Kapechem, to spread out your hands, the Kwanim, do that. That's exactly what they do when they go up to Duchen. And they are rejected from Duchenim because their hands are covered in blood. So for this reason, a Kwan who has killed may not go up in Duchen. Question is, right, is that true today? So the Gemara in the end of Benachot speaks about Kohen Mumar. A Kohen who leaves the faith and worships another god. Over there, the Gemara in the end of Benachot says, a Kohen who leaves the faith may not return to work in the house of Hashem. He's rejected from being a Kohen anymore, and he may no longer Duchen. Rashi brings over there something that was hotly debated by the Bishonim. Do we say that that is true? Do we accept the Gemara's conclusion? And why? Well, obviously they were having a problem. It was in the time of the Crusaders, who was under persecution of the church. They were forcing people to convert. And people sometimes gave in to the pressure and converted or said that they converted or accepted on themselves another god. And then later on they did Shuvah and they came back. Now imagine a Kohen who was once a Kohen. He got the first Aliyah. He dochened on Yom Tov. And then all of a sudden he comes back. It's about Shuvah. And they say to him, sorry, you can't get the first Aliyah anymore. You can't dochen anymore. So Rashi notes over there that it's Noel Delet Bifnei Shavin. Closes the door in front of the people who want to return. By having him come back in a diminished capacity, the person won't come back. He'll be too embarrassed to do tshuva. And therefore, the Rishonim hotly debate this issue about whether we say, in reality, do we really say that we reject them, or there's nothing stands before the tshuva. And we invoke that principle that if someone really does tshuva, we allow them to come back, even in the face of being a Kohen Mumar. So that's the discussion in Menachot. That's about a Kohen Mumar. The Rishonim then move over to this Gemara over here about a Kohen who kills. Do we apply the same idea over here? Do we say just like by a Kohen Mumar we say that nothing stands before Tshuva? Do we also apply here that nothing stands before the Tshuva when it comes to a Kohen who's killed? If he does proper Tshuva? Okay, excellent question. All right, very good. That is brought up by the Achronim, Shelot V'Tshuvot, especially in the modern day Puskim because of the Israeli army. They all ask this question about Kohanim who go into the military. Well, first of all, let's start with the Rishonim. The Rishonim come out a different opinion here as well. Over here, less of the Rishonim are willing to give in and say that Tshuva should work over here. In the Sin Ben Adam Lemakom, which is a sin that can be rectified through Tshuva, over there they're willing to say, and nothing stands before Tshuva. Over here, by murder, which is a problem of Ben Adam Lechavero, something that we don't usually say that Tshuva can fix such an issue. We are there less willing to acquiesce in this case. And that is true also by the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch Paskins that basically a Kohen who has killed, even Bishogei cannot come in Dochen. The Ramah brings down this idea of the Rishonim. Bnei Ashkenaz have a bigger dispensation than Bnei Svarad. Number two is the question that you asked. The two questions that are raised by the modern day Poskim is a Kohen who killed in a car accident. He's driving his car, and someone is killed in the car accident in which he was driving the car. Number two is a case where they were enlisted in the Israeli army, and they killed enemies when they were in service. Can they dochen? So the first question with regards to the cars, the Shevet Levi says it's not a question that a person can dochen if he kills with the car. He gives it almost like it's a blanket head there. Ravadi Yosef says absolutely not. He said that a person drove a car in appropriate manner, a person was driving too fast, they were driving uh, without any question and not in a proper manner. He says, you are a killer in a killer machine. And if you kill like that, it's karov v'mezid. And he says, any Kohen that kills in that manner may not dochen. So if the cause of the accident was your fault, 
and you, because of your negligence, cause the death in your driving, he says there is no way you can get up there and dochen. Because it's as if you killed B'yadayim. He says, on the other hand, if it was of no fault of your own, it happens, something happens where, he says you were driving along, and someone ran in front of your car, there was no, nothing you could have done, you were driving cautiously, driving with the, within the framework of the law, and someone gets killed in that case, that's clearly Shogay. So over there, he says, for sure B'nai Ashkenaz can dochen. Someone from B'nai Ashkenaz of the Ramah can definitely dochen. Says B'nai Sfarad, who says, even in the face of a Shogay, they can't dochen, says over there, if the person does tshuva, which is very, also very interesting, that even though he's a shogeg, it wasn't his fault, nevertheless, because someone was killed at your hands, even though it wasn't your fault, we still assign a certain amount of culpability to you. He says, if this individual is willing to accept the tshuva of the chachamim and really returns b'leib shalim, that person he thinks could dochen, that there's a dispensation for that. Otherwise, he said that b'nei sarat should be careful because there's a suffix bracha levatala here, and maybe they shouldn't dochen in this case. In terms of the army, the first question you have to answer is, does it matter if it's a Jew or a non-Jew? That maybe there's a differentiation between Jew and non-Jew in this case. The Akronim, without even answering that question, say, despite that fact, it's clear that a coin who's enlisted in the army is fighting in a milchemet mitzvah, he's defending Klai Yisrael against their enemies who are attacking and want to kill B'nai Yisrael, and the Rambam has magdir that as a milchemet mitzvah, and a milchemet mitzvah, there's no question that a coin has the dispensation to go out to battle and to kill, and in killing that way, he's justified, and there's no question that he can go up and... Right, but it may not be, the Levian may not be covered by that. I mean, that it only may be a Kohen that has this problem, because it has to do with Duchening. It's very particular to Duchening. That one may not, that it's unique to that. So, a Levi may not have this issue that a Kohen has. But, nevertheless, they all come out on one side here, that a Kohen who has to kill in the service of the military can definitely Duchen afterwards. Very important. It's one line here in the Gemara, but it has huge waves and ramifications. It pops up all over Shas in the Rishonim Tosafot, pops up in Yivamot, pops up in Enochot, all over the place, trying to square away with this versus doing Tshuva. Again, I say to you, by coin Mumar, there's a lot more room. And a lot more of the Rishonim agree to this. By coin Sharagat the Nefesh, it's much more difficult. Right now, the Gemara continues. Am Rabbi Lazar. From the day that the Mikdash was destroyed, the gates of Tfilah have been sealed. Shneamar, Gamki Ezak, Veshaveya, Satam Tfilati. Even when I scream out to you, Hashem, Satam Tfilati, my Tfilah has been closed up. Vafopi, Shesharei Tfilah Ninalu. Even though the gates of Tfilah have been sealed, Shere Dimalo Ninalu. The gates of tears have not been closed. Shneamar, and this should be familiar to you from the Slichot. We say this in the Slichot. It's also one of the Slichot that we say. At the end of Ni'ilah, one of the slichot there that we say is that all I have to present before you, Hashem, is notcha, this flask full of tears. The tefillah doesn't work anymore. The only thing I have is this flask of tears to present before you. So even though the sharet tefillah have been closed, the sharet dima have not been closed, Shemar, Shem'at tefillah, Hashem, hear my prayer, Hashem. V'shavati azina, pay attention to my cry, El dimati al techerash. To my tears, do not be silent. So Rashi says over here, well, the fact that Pasuk says, it doesn't say, that you don't have to look at my tears, but rather, don't be deaf to my tears. The fact that it's saying, don't be deaf to my tears, means that Hashem is seeing your tears. That Hashem accepts and is acknowledging the tears. So that means that the gates of tears are open and Hashem sees them. The question is whether you're going to listen to them or not. But that's the only question. The question is not whether Hashem sees them. And so therefore we see a certain amount of acceptance of the tears even in the face of the rejection of tefillah. So, Rava lo gazar ta'anita biyom It's very interesting. Rava would not 
be gozeratani to fast day, beg Hashem for whatever it was, whether it was rain or was some other difficulty. Why? Shum Shinyamar, because it says in Eicha, Sakota Be'ananach, Mavor Tfilah. You put up a curtain of clouds so that didn't allow the prayers to come up to heaven. Obviously, that's figurative, but Robus felt the same way, that in that same way that we shouldn't put a tanit on a day that it's cloudy, because that's an indication that the heavens are not open to our tefillah. We don't want to have that representation. What's interesting here is, if you see the psukim that we quoted, quoted psukim from Eicha, which is, of course, what we read on Tisha B'Av, quoted psukim from Ishaya Aleph, which is the Aftorah for Shabbat Chazon. The Gemara didn't quote over here is the beginning of Dvarim, which is the parsha that we read always for Shabbat Chazon. So many times, everybody said, why do we read? Why do we read this parak from Ishaya? Why do we read Dvarim before Tisha B'Av? So because in all these cases, the word Eicha appears. Eicha Seh Levadi, Tachachem Masechem appears in Dvarim. Echa mentioned in the Parakanishayo, and obviously Echa is the Megillat Echa. So that's a connection. I think that one of the things that connects them is the thematic connection between all three of these is the fact that Tfilah is rejected. In all three of these instances, we find that Hashem rejects the Tfilah of Bnei Israel. In Echa, it says here, Satam Tfilati, that your Tfilah was rejected. Ishayo, we quoted the Pasuk here also, which is, and then later on in the Parsha it says, and that Hashem does not reject their Tfilah. In Devarim there, Moshe retells the story of the Meraglim. After the Chedem Meraglim, B'nai Yisrael turned to Hashem and prayed to Him. And over there it says that Hashem did not listen to your prayers. The thematically, the connection between all three of these that come into a Tisha B'av is that Hashem does not listen to our prayers. He's no longer willing to listen to our prayers. And based over here on this, that thematically is what happened on Tisha B'av. With the destruction of the Mikdash, our Tfilot are rejected. What does it mean not to have a Mikdash? Not to have a Mikdash means that we no longer have this access to a Kodesh Baruch Hu through Tfilah. And that's why on the day of Soloveitchik always used to say on the day of Tisha B'Av, it's not a day of Tfilah. And therefore it's inappropriate to make a Mishabayrach for Cholim and beseech Hashem on Tisha B'Av because it's a day that is void of all Tfilah. And that's why we say Kinot. The only thing that we can say is Kinot. We don't Dabu, we don't say Slichot. We say Kinot on Tisha B'Av. It's a day void of Tfilah and I think that's laid out here by the Gemara and also I think thematically what connects all the things that come in Shabbat Chazon leading into Tisha B'Av. Amar Rabbalazam Yom Shkara Beit HaMikdash Nipschach Humat Bezel Ben Yisrael Aviyam Sheshamayim From the day that the Mikdash was destroyed, there is as if a metal separator between us and God in heaven. Shneemar says in Yechezka Bata Kach Lucho Machavat Barzel should take for yourself Machavat is like a frying pan made out of uh, iron. But you should take for yourself some sort of plane of metal the place between you and the city. But meaning that Hashem is saying to Yechezkel, figuratively, put up this metal divider between me and B'nai Israel, And I no longer will hear their prayers anymore. Anybody who lengthens their tefillah, their tefillah does not come back empty-handed. But I dive into Hashem. What to say afterwards? God also listens to me on that time. Is Anybody who lengthens their tefillah as an extended tefillah, and then Ma'ain Ba looks into it, so far the decayed blade ends up with a broken heart or pain in his heart. A deferred hope, Machalalev, sickens the heart. Maita kante. What is the way to rectify this? Yasok b'Torah. You should learn Torah. Shneamar. This is actually the continuation of. It's the second half of the pasuk we just quoted before. Veitz chayim ta'avah ba'ah. 
And the tree of life is a desire fulfilled. So hope deferred is something that leaves a person wanting and in pain. Desires that are fulfilled is the tree of life. What it's saying, Ve'en Etzchayim el Torah, and Etzchayim is Torah, as we know, Sh'nemar Etzchayim el Machazikim ba. So when it says Lukash, no problem. Ha'adamarichum ayin ba, ha'adamarich v'lom ayin ba. Depends on how. If one has a lengthy tefillah, and then looks into it carefully, then it's problematic. But one who simply lengthens their tefillah, that is okay. I'm going to come back and explain that in one second. Amri v'chama barabu chanina, imra adam shititpalel v'lo ne'eneh. Person Davins and he's not answered, Yaksorvit Palel. Should continue to Davin over and over again. One should not give up, basically. Because the Pasuk that quotes that we say now in our Tvila every day, Shnemar, Kaveel Hashem, Chazek Vyamit Libecha Bekaveel Hashem. Right, Kaveel Hashem starts out the Pasuk, which is you should have hope, right, in Hashem, that you should still believe that Hashem will help you. Then, even when you're rejected, it says, Chazek Vyamit Libecha, strengthen yourself, bring yourself back again, Vikaveel Hashem, then have hope again. Try again. Try, if you don't succeed the first time, try again and try again. The same idea here, that even if your tefillah is rejected the first time, once you continue to daven. Now going back to iyun tefillah, what it seems from this gemara, and there's a gemara later on in our mesechta as well, that iyun tefillah is negative. That looking into one's tefillah too carefully is not a good thing. But we know that other places in Shas, as well as every morning, you say after Bikar Torah, one of the things that you, Adam Ochel Perotela Mazev, Karen Kemelam is iyun tefillah. So there's clearly a positive side to iyun tefillah. So what is this iyun tefillah? How do we reconcile between the iyun tefillah being negative and iyun tefillah being positive? Rashi over here says the problem with the iyun tefillah is a person who davens in a lengthy manner and then expects to see that his tefillah is going to be answered. That's what you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to think just because I had a lengthy tefillah and I really begged Hashem that I'm going to get answered. That's the wrong attitude to come with. And that's what Tosafot mentions over here. There are two types of iyun tefillah. The one over here where he assumes that he's going to get answered by Hashem. There, Iyun Tefillah doesn't mean that, like here we're saying Iyun Tefillah means that he awaits the fulfillment of his Tefillah. Rather, Iyun Tefillah is Kavanah. It's having proper attention, concentration, focus within his Tefillah. Maybe what Tzvi said before also, that it's a heartfelt Tefillah. That type of Iyun Tefillah, that is positive. That's when we talk about it. So we're defining the word Iyun Tefillah differently in these two locations. One Iyun Tefillah is after davening, don't look into it too carefully. The other one is in davening to be mayin b'tefillah. That is a positive, which is to be focused on your tefillah and concentrate and have kavanah within your tefillah. That is something that is positive. Torah chizuk. There are four things that need strengthening. Torah, masim tovim, tefillah v'derech eretz. Torah masim tovim. How do we know that Torah and good deeds need to be strengthened? Minayin shneamar, because it says by Yoshua, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he tells Yeshua that he's going to be the leader of Bnei Israel, sends him another number of times chazak ve'amatz. And then Yeshua, when he begins his tour of duty as a leader of Bnei Israel, Hashem appears to him and says, "Rak chazak ve'amatz ma'od lishmor lasod kuchol Torah." Then you should be strong and courageous to keep and do. Like the whole Torah. Chazek Torah, You should be strong in Torah. And courageous in good deeds. So you see here that Hashem has, when He's speaking to Yoshua, tells Him that you have to put extra effort. You need chizuk in these two areas of Torah. How do we know that davening is this? Chazek 
So in between the davening, after Kavel Hashem, davening is what requires Chazek V'yametli Becha. Again, that's why it's brought over here in our context. Derech Eretz Minayin. So how do we know also by Derech Eretz? Now, Derech Eretz, we know, is used in the Mishnah Avot. What Derech Eretz there refers to one's profession, one's means of making a livelihood. So over here, Derech Eretz, the Gemara says, how do I know that when one is evolved in their professional life, that they need chizuk, minayin shnemar, it's one of the most beautiful psukim in Navi, it's in Shmuel Bet, it says, chazak v'nit chazek v'adamenu. Yoav and his brother Abishai were fighting against Amon, and they were caught in a trap, and basically they are against all odds. They are surrounded, and they're going to lose the battle. So Yoav says to them, let's split up, you go this way, I'll go this way, and at least one of us will get out and survive. And Yoav, before he leaves his brother, says, Chazak mit chazak bi'adamenu, bi'adarelukenu, so on and so forth. He says, let us be strong and re-strengthen ourselves. We're going to, this, we're doing this for our nation. We're doing this for God and God's cities. It's a beautiful statement by Yoav. It's one of the, I think Yoav's highlights, greatest moments when he says this, that basically, we have nothing to lose. We're trapped now. So let us go and do our best. And that's exactly what was Yoav's profession. He was the general of the army. So here you see that he needs chazak, he needs chizuk, even in his profession, which is a professional soldier. Matomer, Sion, Azavani Hashem, Vashem, Shechichani, over there it says, Adoshem, Shechichani. So it says, Sion says, you have left me, and Hashem has forgotten me. Hainu azuvah, hainu shechucha. What does it mean to be forsaken and to be forgotten? They're, they're synonyms. So why, do you, why is it both? If you were forgotten, of course you were forsaken. If you're forsaken, of course you're forgotten. Amar Reish Lakish, Amra Knesset Yisrael of Ne'akadosh Baruch Hu, Ribbono Shalam Adam Nosei Isha Lishto, Rishona. Man marries another woman after his first wife passes away. Zocher Masei Rishona, he still remembers the first woman. Ata Azavtani, Vishechechatani. He says, you have left me Hashem, meaning that we didn't act properly. So he divorces, Vishechechatani, you've forgotten me. So Amrullah, Kodesh Baruch Hu, Biti, Shem says to my daughter, meaning to Knesset Yisrael, Yudbet Mazalot Parati, I created 12 signs of the zodiac constellations, Berekia, Akol Mazal, Mazal, Barati, Lo Shloshim, Chayil. Each one of these constellations, Barati, Lo Shloshim, Chayil, I made 30 hosts. Again here, the Gemara is going to use terminology here. Each one of them being... A, in a hierarchy, someone who is higher up in the government, higher up. So the Gemara is going to just keep using numbers like that. The exact translation, I don't think it's so important, but the idea being that Hashem is saying, I created multitudes and multitudes of these constellations. So there's Shloshim Chal above them. And each army or group, I have 30 legions. And above each of those legions, I have 30 ratons. And then Veraton, Karton. And each one of those I have a carton that sits above them. Valkol carton, va carton, baratilo shoshim gistera. Above them I have 30 gisterot. Valkol gistera, gistera, tliti, taliti, bo shloshmiot, shishim, chamishal, fe, rubo, kochavim. And each one of those is connected. 365,000, 10,000. Kochavim, stars, connected, yemotachama, that correspond to the days of the solar year. Kulan lo baratil bishvilcha. And I created all of this because of you, Kulal Yisrael. Hashem says, how could I And you're worried about me? Forgetting you? Hatishkach isha ula. And Yishayahu says, does a woman ever forget ula, ula, her, her young suckling child? The child that nursed by her, she never forgets that child. Even after she's finished nursing, she never forgets and it has rachamim on her, so too. The puzzle continues and says that Hashem will have, says, will I not remember to have rachamim on you? 
Barakash Barakum, Klumesh, Kach, Olot, Elim, Pichrei, Rachamim, Shikrach, Zalifanai. Again, there's some question about the Gears over here, but basically it's saying, will I ever forget the Karbanot that you brought before me in the Midbar? Well, if you don't forget anything, if you don't forget anything, there's good and there's bad. Maybe you won't forget also that we had the Chedego. Amar Allah, Hashem responds to Bnei Yisrael, Gam Ila Tishkachna. So that even some of these, so too, these will be forgotten. If you do forget, maybe you forget the good too. So Amar Allah, in the same Pasuk, it says, that even though others will forget, I will not forget. So even though normal people would forget in these situations, I don't forget. But the Gemara is playing on the fact that there is some things that are forgotten, some things that are not forgotten, and will be for your good. I'll forget the negative, and I'll remember the positive. Remember how we were good in the Midbar, but not that we were bad in the Midbar. Now the Gemara returns to the Mishnah. Chassidim Mishonim Ayushim Shachat. Chassidim Mishonim used to wait an hour before they davened. Menachali Mile. Where do they know this from? Amar Yeshua Ben Levi. Amar Kra. Ashrei Yoshvei Veitecha. Should be praised. Should be happy. Those that sit in your bite. Yoshvei Veitecha. Those that sit, not davening, just sit. Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi. Amitzvalel Tzarich Leshaot Shachat Achar Tzvilato. Not only does he have to wait an hour beforehand, after he finishes davening, he has to sit for an hour. Shneamar. Says the tzaddikim will, whether here it means to admit or give praise to your name, those that are upright will sit at panecha in your presence. Continuing with the pasuk is which is first davening, then they will sit in your presence. So you, after you've davened, you sit in the presence of God. You continue there. Tanya Nami Yochai, a brighter that supports that understanding. He has to wait an hour before he davens, an hour after he davens. So now Gemara says, Kodim Tvilato Minayin. Where do you know that before? And Shnema Ashrei Yoshvei Beitecha, the puzzle that we brought. The Chayt Tvilato Minayin. 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 So the two Psukim that we brought. So now Gemara says, Tanya Banan, Chazdim Mishrim, Aishom Shachat, Umitpalim, Shachat, Vachazrim, Mishawim Shachat. Our preparation, our davening. Hour afterwards. So now they have to dedicate nine hours to davening. Not much of the day left. So now we're Torah How are they going to remember their Torah? How are they going to go to work? They're davening all day. Because they are Hasidim, then the Torah, they get an extra siyata dishmaya in their Torah learning that they remember it, they don't have to review it as much. And their work, they can work many less hours and they're successful with less hours. It's almost, this is interesting, almost the opposite of what we find in the Gemara in Shabbat about Torato Umrato. Someone who's totally dedicated to Ra does not daven. So over there you have someone who's living the life of Torah, complete Torah, doesn't daven. Over here you have someone who's living a life of complete Tefillah, doesn't have, learns, but only has to learn less and work less and everything comes to them. Tosafot over here notes that that's why we begin Ashrei with Ashrei Yoshvei Veitecha, which isn't necessary. We say the Ashrei, we are saw earlier in the Gemara why we say it. It's in the order of the Aleph Bet. We take the last Pasuk of the previous Tehillim to get the Aleph, so we don't need the Ashrei Yoshvei Veitecha. Why do we preface it with Ashrei Yoshvei Veitecha? Because of this Gemara over here, that one approach Hashem with right frame of mind, and that comes from saying the Pesukah Zimra from saying the Ashrei beforehand. 
And the Rambam even takes it literally, what the Gemara says here, that you have to sit before davening, that when one says, Ashrei Yishrei Veitecha, they should be seated for that vila. Right now, uh, So it's the end of the Mishnah, and it says that even if a king greets him while he's davening Shemun he may not respond to him. Now, that's the, in contrast to by Kriyachma. By Kriyachma, there we said you can answer in Pnei Ayira, in Pnei Akavod, or whatever, Shemun you don't have any of those dispensations. Now they qualify that statement. It's only true by a Jewish king. If it's a non-Jewish king, then you do stop, because Machei Yisrael understand what it means to be Davnik Shmon Esrei. Non-Jewish king does not. Person's davening and sees some sort of marauder, robber, coming towards him. Or he sees some sort of wagon or caravan coming towards him. He shouldn't stop his davening. He should quit. He should speed up his davening so he can finish in time that he can deal or leave if he has to. Depends if he has the ability to, if he can do it quickly and finish up, then he should do it, shorten his tefillah. But if he can't, then he should stop. He doesn't have to put his life at risk. He stopped along the way and he was davening. Some minister came by and greeted him. He doesn't respond to him. This minister waits until he finishes davening. Says you empty one. Hello, doesn't it say in your Torah? Both of these are psukim that are quoted otherwise in the Gemara to say that one has to take care of themselves. That we have an obligation to take care of ourselves, both to be health wise and not to endanger our lives. So how could it be here, after you have these psukim in your Torah, that you endangered your life here and you don't uh, respond to me? When I greeted you, didn't respond to me. If I beheaded you at this moment, who would take revenge on your behalf? Meaning that you're at my mercy right now, and you didn't respond. How could that be? Before you behead me, just let me say a couple words. Had I been speaking to a king, and your good friend comes along and tells him, Hey, how you doing? Would you respond to your friend? Of course not. If you did respond to your buddy, what would they do to you? What would this king do to you? They would behead me. It's a certainty here. You who are standing before a king of flesh and blood, that's here today and tomorrow's in the grave. Standing before the great God of above, certainly, that sword was appeased, and Chazid went home in peace. Not necessarily recommended, but he did come out okay in this case. Stop over here.